Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 10 of the Looking at Stamps podcast. This week, we chat with Stacy Adam, a graphic designer from Baltimore, Maryland. Currently, she is working on her Master of Fine Arts degree, and you can follow her exploits with stamps, postcards, and chain cards at Stacy A underscore design. That's S T A C Y A underscore design d-e-s-i-g-n on instagram you can also follow her and her friends cupcake adventures on instagram under their profile cupcake underscore crusaders today we talk about her article in the american philatelist magazine chain cards and membership in the american philatelic society or aps let's go Hi, Stacy Adam. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. Well, thank you first for doing the podcast. And it's a really exciting time, not because of the coronavirus, but because <laughs> you just had an article printed in the American Philatelist magazine. And we're going to get to that in, in a second. Um, and I'm very intrigued by it, but I don't want to, I'm going to tip off the readers yet or listeners yet to uh, what it's about, because uh, I want to give you a chance to do that. Uh, but but you know what comes first, the lightning round. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one, favorite cereal oh, as um, in breakfast cereal. Yeah. I usually don't eat cereal for breakfast. I, sometimes I'll eat it at nighttime. And so I would say it's like some, usually some kind of Cheerios, whether okay. it's plain Cheerios or like maple Cheerios or there's like the new oat crunch ones. Okay. Um, I, so, I, I was a Fruit Loops person. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And now I'm, I'm a Frosted Flakes, Tony the Tiger all the way. Yeah, I actually really like cereal for like a nighttime snack. But I, the Cheerios thing is just because of my daughter who is four. Right. And so right. we regularly have Cheerios now. Yeah. Because she can eat them plain without the without the milk yep. and everything for treats. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a breakfast person either. So I, I like to eat breakfast for dinner. Or no, I, like I, I said, like or, or cereal for the very last thing that I eat of the day if mm -hmm. I need something to go into the night. Yeah, yep. but absolutely. Um, favorite art period and favorite artist? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that would be really hard. Um, I really like modern art. Okay. Um, I'm just drawn to it. I mean, I, I grew up going to art galleries with my dad. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I would probably say some kind of modern art period. I actually did a, a report on somebody named Gerard Richter when I was in college, and he actually did realist paintings and abstract art. And his realist paintings were like photorealistic. And there were some pieces that were just so stunning. And I loved that he could do the same thing. He could make me feel the same thing with his realist paintings as he could with his abstract paintings. Like they just moved me um, in certain ways. So yeah, I would probably, if I had to pick somebody off the top of my head, it would probably be him. Okay. Now what our listeners might not know is that you are a graphic, a graphic designer. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we're going to have several art questions. So that's, that's okay. why I'm, I'm tailoring those to you today. <laughs> uh, Cause I, I try to pick my, my lightning round questions to the person that I'm interviewing. So, mm -hmm. um, Next question. What takes up too much of your time? 
I mean, I would like to spend less time on social media, probably. Yeah, that, um, that's me too. I scroll yeah. way too much. <laughs> I do. It's like, and I and I really try and stop it in certain ways. Obviously, my daughter is a good way not to be on my phone, um, doing things with her. The mail stuff was actually one of the reasons I started uh, doing some mail stuff, like postcards and and mail art, was to get off of my phone. Um, and I I stopped I stopped doing it before I go to bed. Well, not within the past few days. It's been kind of crazy with the whole virus thing. Right. But um, I started reading again, like an actual book before bed. Um, and so I've, I, but I would say that's probably, if there's one thing I try to cut out of my life, it's probably, it's probably screen time. Yeah, no, I saw some memes somewhere and I don't eat three hours before going to bed. I don't look at my screen an hour before my bed. And then the last thing that I do is either write my journal or read for an hour before going to sleep. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's just that yep. our minds have become so involved in things that we're doing through the day that it's kind of hard to unwind if we're keeping looking at stuff before uh, before going to bed. So yeah. I, I totally get that. Totally get mm-hmm. that. Next question. What is the furthest you have ever been from home? Um, see, I'm, it's either Germany or Hawaii, and I really don't know which one is furthest from Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think it's probably Hawaii, I would think. Germany's about I a think. three-hour trip. Hawaii is, is a little bit more, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think it is, too, since I have to go all the way across the country yeah. to get and there. And which, which of those two did you prefer? Oh, my gosh, it was completely different. I went to Germany. I went to Munich, like, three days before Christmas. So it was, like, you know, full-on Christmas time and winter and just magical because of the Christmas markets. Um, and But, I mean, Hawaii was just serene and peaceful and we had like like adventures as well um and i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick hawaii because it was my honeymoon okay no i yes the 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 nature of hawaii is just simply amazing Mm -hmm. and as you said uh christmas in in england and london and in germany uh Mm -hmm. is just absolutely magical you're absolutely right yeah Mm -hmm. have you been to new york city Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Have you been to New York during Christmas? I, I try, yes, I try to avoid okay. it usually. Okay. <laughs> but similarly, uh, Christmas in New York City really is magical yeah. as well, you know, with all the window displays and mm-hmm. the, the city lit up and everything. And yeah. the last question is what would be the most amazing adventure to go on that you haven't yet? I really want to go to Greece and do like a Mediterranean cruise. Yeah, the the food the food there mm-hmm. is absolutely stunning, and so mm-hmm. I, I've been fair, fortunate to spend uh, a couple of months in in the Mediterranean. And, and it's oh just, wow! It's, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it really is stunning. Yeah, that's that's for sure on my bucket list. Great. <laughs> so uh, you came to my attention. Uh, first of all, we are. Uh, interviewing Stacy Adam with no S. I, I always uh, I have my notes here, no S. Um, <laughs> and you are on Instagram as Stacy A underscore Design, mm-hmm. because like we mentioned, you are a graphic designer and your portfolio uh, is in the link that you provide on yeah. your your profile. Uh, yeah. And you do illustrations and you do logos and uh, you also um, 
uh, mood boards and and all those kind of things. And it's just, I mean, it's your website is very intriguing. It's very beautifully done as well. First of all, okay. um, but I came across you because we've followed each other on Instagram, who are postcard and postage stamp endeavors. Mm-hmm. But um, I recently came across you more importantly as the author of an article in uh, the American Philatelist magazine uh, put out by the American Philatelist Society. So tell us about, one, how that happened. Uh, and before we get there, tell us about your pursuing a master's degree, is it? Yes. So I'm, okay. I'm, work, I'm working on my Master of Fine Arts at the University of Baltimore, um, here in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and actually, the, the two actually sort of linked up at the same time, like the, the how I got, how it got, I started writing the article and sort of how I kind of went on my thesis endeavor. Um, they're very closely linked together. Um, so, yeah, it was about two years ago, I had to start thinking of my, of my thesis topic. So I'm in the um, MFA program, the Master of Fine Arts in Integrated Design. Okay. And, and for that... We do have to research and write a, a standard thesis paper, but because it is a, a fine arts program, we also have to have project pieces um, based around what we learn in the integrated design program, which is um, design, print design, web design, also video and interactive. Um, and so we have to include like it's like a two or three of, of those topics into our project pieces. Um, and so we have to really identify something that hasn't been done before or something that has been done, but it could be done in a different way. Um, basically, you, you have to find a problem and come up with a solution for it. And you have to back it up with all of this research and everything. So it was two years ago. I, I had started uh, collecting stamps about a year or more prior to that. Um, and so it was definitely on my list of like, oh, what you want to do something that interests you. So what interests you? Let's, let's see if we can find something in that area. And so stamps was definitely high on my list. And it's so closely tied to design that at first I thought, is there something with like stamp design or, or something that, that could be, you know, done. And, but the more I started researching um, and sort of getting into the nitty gritty, I was like, you know, this, there's kind of this disconnect between, women collectors and stamp organizations, but it's not what I see online. And so I began emailing. I emailed um, the membership uh, coordinator from the APS, the American Philatelic Society, um, to, to see if I could get their demographics. And at the same time, I um, messaged Lisa Foster, who is the president of the WE, the Women's Exhibitors Group, um, for the AAEP. I think that's their uh, initials. Um, and she was great, and she was like, we just started having a conversation and, and talking about this, and she's like, there is a need for this. And um, she sent me some other documents that sort of backed that up, and then I saw that the demographic numbers of the APS at the time were 9% women. Um, and so from there, I was like, yep, I, this, is, this is what needs to be done. Um, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I just, you know, spent the summer researching, um, researching the history of organizations and um, researching what's been done or hasn't been done. And it just kind of went from there. Um, and so Lisa Foster, her and I have, have stayed in touch. And when the opportunity came up that the um, 
the the APS's uh, magazine was going to be doing a women's issue, they were taking submissions for proposals. So you wrote, here's, I want to write an article on this. And she said, Stacey, you need to do this. You've got you, you've got an interesting perspective, and I think I think you should I think you should try this. And so I did the proposal, and then I moved on to the next phase where I re, I think I revised the proposal a little bit, fleshed it out a little more, and then came the next phase where I submitted a draft of my article. And so this all took about a year. Um, it was the course year between the proposals and the final article. Um, and yeah, I got I got selected. And over that over that course, when I first wrote my proposal. I hadn't done the surveys yet that I was working on. I was working on surveys um, to get a little bit more information. And that is, that is, my article took that direction where it was, it sort of was showcasing some of these results because they were, they really backed up what I'd seen and, you know, and just people needed to know about it. So why don't you share just a couple of the preliminary findings, if you could, uh, with people that haven't had the ability to read the article yet. Yeah, so what I was finding was that um, women who are interested in stamps and postmarks and mail, postcards, um, they don't always consider themselves philatelists. And my the survey that I did asked a lot of questions. Um, I reached out to uh, I reached out to people who who I didn't know if they identified as flawless, it was through social media. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, various groups, um, and even uh, like the APS and uh, Graham Beck from Exploring Stamps, they shared my surveys through their Twitter pages to try and get as much feedback as possible. And um, then I also had another survey where I did actually um, survey women who considered themselves philatelists. In my article, it's focused on the, the, the more general survey that went out to everybody. So it's a mix. The article is a complete mix of people who just like male stuff and people who really consider themselves philatelists. And the response rate was 50-50. 50% men, 50% women responded to the survey. Um, and so I found that while the, the people who took the time to answer the survey, it was almost equal, you know, 80% of women said they collected stamps. 96% of men said they collected stamps. 88% of women said they were interested in the history of stamps. 94% of men said they were interested. And 87% of women said they were interested in postal history. And 86% of men said they were interested in postal history. But then when they were asked, do you consider yourself a philatelist, only 58% of the women said yes, whereas 87% of men said yes. So with the men, there's this consistency, you know, it's the high 80s, 90% collect stamps, interested in stamps, consider themselves a philatelist. But with women, it's the high 80s, you know, they, they have these similar interests, but only 58% would say, yes, they are a philatelist. Um, now, do you have a rationale for your findings? Do you have, uh, do you posit suggest yeah. uh, hypotheses for why this is happening? Um, yeah, there's actually, it's a very common thing that happens in a lot of sort of male-dominated hobbies, and um, it's, there's, there's a technical name for it if you, like, really research gender studies. Um, I'm just drawing a blank on what that is right now, but women basically, they, they are apt to consider themselves less of something um, if they are not an expert. Right. Um, and so, whereas, so there was part of my research, I had to... Uh, there wasn't a lot of, there's not a lot of research done on philately, like in this area of, of gender differences. 
And so I went to other hobbies that had been researched. Um, and so one of them was gaming, like the world of gaming. Um, and there were all these studies done that, um, you know, women played games, like video games, just as frequently as men did, but in almost 50% of the cases were less likely to consider themselves gamers. And because they were less likely to consider themselves gamers, they spent less time practicing sometimes. They spent, they, they spent less time competing um, because for them it was just, you know, recreational. Um, they would never consider it, you know, a gamer thing even though they spend just they could spend just as many hours a week as men playing video games. And it's just this kind of phenomenon that happens and it it sort of I think it just happens because we've been told throughout time that, you know, we're not good enough or we have to work harder or do better and, you know, just to come out as equals. I, I did you have the ability to ask the women uh how they do stamps? Uh, how um, do they do they collect? Because I'm leading. It's a leading question because I want to get into your discussion yeah. of that of uh, chain cards. Yeah. Uh, and that one of the things that we've been saying on this particular podcast is that people do stamping differently. They collect differently, mm -hmm. and that my goal is that you know that philately is this huge umbrella that regardless of how you quote unquote do stamps, you're a philatelist mm -hmm. for that same reason you're yeah. you're arguing in your article. Because yeah. I want to broaden the umbrella. I want to broaden the uh, the interest to a much wider variety of people, including minorities, people of color, mm -hmm. people who may not have access to all of the way that traditional philatelists are viewed. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned in your article, mm -hmm. you know, people that are putting, you know, putting them in their books and putting the leather books in the library and, and only come out to look at them, you know, that kind of thing to where – Women, I think, may be doing philately differently in terms of we can include chain cards, we could do mail art, we can mm -hmm. do stamp art, and because they're doing it differently, more coming from a – some of them, not all of them, not to mm -hmm. generalize, some of them may be coming from a crafting with stamps yeah. kind of view, uh, they may not classify themselves as philatelists. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and, and that's really sort of the, the feedback when I was, when I was asking for like your additional thoughts on this, a lot of the feedback was, well, I, I don't consider myself a philatelist or I don't, I don't join any clubs because, um, you know, I'm not a serious stamp collector or I don't collect the way other people collect. Um, and then some of the hesitation is just, they don't want to be the only woman there. Right. They think they're, they, they, they feel like they would be kind of the lone wolf, <laughs> Um, and so, and I found that I, I found that with chain cards where I actually, there was one point, you know, I, I like to send, you know, surprise mail to some of the people who I've gotten to know through this, you know, snail mail world. And I'd ask somebody like, oh, like, do you, uh, she showed an interest in something. I said, oh, do you want me to send you a block of those stamps? And she was like, no, it's okay. I don't collect stamps, but she does chain cards all the time. Right. And so it was sort of interesting to hear that. But it's, it's it was interesting not just to hear that. I mean, if you don't collect a block of stamps, like that's fine. People collect differently. But to say I don't collect stamps was interesting because she does collect stamps. She right. collects, she does chain cards, and she's got these postcards that are beautiful postcards on one side and filled with a similar theme of stamps on the other side. 
you know, these cards end up, they're so beautiful when they're done. It's, they're so fun and different. Um, and so just to say I don't collect stamps was just an interesting thing because I was like, yes, you do. Yeah. Well, ex <laughs> exactly. And I, I had a similar problem. I went to a stamp show and, and someone refused to sell me stamps because I wasn't collecting them in the way that they collect. Uh, as you as you know, I collect stamps so that I can use them. Mm -hmm. So I don't put them in books to display them or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I do them simply so that I can have a collection of stamps to choose from to put on a postcard or to put on mail. Mm -hmm. And so some of these people were looking down at me because I wasn't the typical collector that they had in their mind. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, do you want to sell your stamps or not? <laughs> rather, rather I collect them the way that you mm -hmm. want to or not is really, yeah. you know, not not relevant. And what but I find so interesting about that is that, like, philately isn't just stamps. It's, like, covers and and actual mail correspondences, and it's postal history. Like, it's so much deeper than just a single stamp. So I always find it interesting when there's that mentality around it. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to do this particular podcast and hopefully show people that people do stamps differently and like mm -hmm. like we said you know philately is this large umbrella whether you do first day issues whether you do covers whether you do you know postmarks the pictorial postmarks yeah there is something here for everyone within the stamp realm and mm -hmm. we should all be calling ourselves philatelists so that we can all have this big umbrella so everyone feels comfortable uh, regardless of how they collect or how they mm -hmm. do stamps um, yes. so i want to back up a little bit uh i am unfamiliar i i know of them i just don't know how the process works so explain to us about chain cards okay. um, i've seen them and i just don't know how physically that they work do you put them in <laughs> envelopes do you put used stamps new stamps you know so how, how does a typical request and um uh exchange go so i will first i'll go over like the most common standard kind um so Basically, for the most part, chain cards are um, use unused stamps that are then sent through the mail and postmarked. Um, and so it's stamps from the country of origin. That is that is the standard. That is, I think, I, pretty much how they, they started out. Um, and so what you do is you basically come up with a topic, um, and the topic could be anything. Um, a lot of times it's theme-based, you know, so I'm going to do a, a chain card with about trains or tigers, you know, any anything that's very very thematic. Um, but sometimes, like I did a I did a chain card once that was um, first issues of the year 2019. So anybody could participate from whatever country, and they were using that first stamp that was issued in that year. So the the topics were completely different, but that was the theme of the chain card. So there's always a theme. And the person who hosts the group is basically at the discretion of saying, yes, you can join the group, or, yes, or no, you can't. These stamps aren't appropriate, or I already have them, or some, whatever their reasoning is. They're totally their discretion. Um, and so you usually need about four or five members. Um, that's like the ideal amount, so it's not too, not too few, not too many, but it also depends on the size of the stamps, how many you can fit on a card. Um, but it's usually about four to five members. Um, usually it is... Um, a new member from each country, but often if, you know, if there's a, if, as long as the stamps aren't duplicate, it's fine. So there can be two people from one country as long as they're using different stamps. Um, 
And so what you do is you prep your card, which is you basically get the size of everybody's stamps, um, the measurements of them, so you can lay your card out. You can decide where you want each person to put their stamps to make sure there's room and everything, and you mark your card up, and you put, then you add your stamps to where you want them to go. And you put paper, and you, t you tape it almost like washi tape, because whatever tape's easy to remove, you put paper on the card, and that's how you address it. You put the so there's a person in each chain, so and, and that chain stays the same. So say it's a U U.S. to Germany to Russia to Japan um, to Australia and back to the United States. That's everybody follows that chain. So I will always send the card that I get to Germany, and Germany will always send the card they get to Russia and so on and so forth. So you're getting other people's cards coming to you, coming to your house or, you know, P.O. box. And then when you get that card, you remove your address on the piece of paper carefully, um, and usually that's where they put any extra postage to. You remove that, and then you look on their card and you see, okay, they have marked here and here for me to put my two stamps on. So then you put your stamps down, you cover their stamps up, you put another piece of paper on for the address and any additional postage, and then you send it off to the next person. And it just goes through this chain of people, and each person adds their stamp and sends it on to the next person until it comes back home to you. So you so, get your original card back with all of the stamps on them. So the stamps that you've added in the, in the position that you've been mm -hmm. told to add, to, those are going yeah. to be uncanceled? So usually, yes, they are. Now, okay. What I've I've been I've been more and more a part of groups who they don't always care if the stamps are pre-canceled. Um, so sometimes I can buy used stamps online, and you put a used stamp on instead. In that case, if I'm using pre-canceled stamps, then I can just put it in an envelope and address it and send it off. Okay. Um, but if you're using uncanceled stamps, then you have to do that. And there are some people. Like so, so chain cards are a little bit like philately, where there's really no right or wrong answer, right? Um, and so some people are very particular. They want their they want their chain cards all canceled within the period of time that it was started. So they they don't want somebody to use used or pre canceled stamps. Um, whereas some people they're just like what's important to them is the stamps and the theme. And so if it's if it's already been if it's a used stamp that you're putting on like gluing down to the envelope or if it's a stamp from another country that's not even canceled they don't care um i sort of be i tend to be a little bit more from that group because i just like to look at pretty stamps so um and i just think it's a really cool thing to have these stamps from around the world or stamps that i wouldn't normally have access to whether or not it's from country of origin or whether or not it's been canceled um sometimes a cancellation can be so horrible that it's you know messes up the stamp anyway right. so um so yeah so i i sort of tend to be like the ah, you know it doesn't matter to me but um i have been a part of groups where you know like i follow the rules strictly and if they want it hand canceled you know and it has to be a mint stamp like i obviously follow those rules so so your stamps are going to be on one side and the dress is going to be on the other side just like a, a normal correspondence correct um, yeah, the stamps are kind of, they end up kind of getting placed all over the place sometimes. Okay. So like, but it's, it's always like I, it, we, I try and as much as other countries can do, have seemed to be able to get away with a little bit more sometimes. Like they can have stamps on one side and the other side is addressed 
and or their card is at a weird orientation, you know, where it's like vertical instead of horizontal and it's addressed vertically. And it, it makes it everywhere fine. It even makes it to me fine. But I really try and follow the letter format as much as possible. Um, but sometimes if somebody has placed, say, the U.S. stamp right in the middle of the postcard, I do have to get a little creative. And so, you know, I'll have to address it, make sure the address is sort of where it should be, you know, standard-wise. And, you know, then I'll put any additional postage in the upper right corner. But I actually had a post office employee once who I was there for 20 minutes because they were refusing to hand cancel my post, my chain card postcard mailer because there was no stamps in the upper right corner. And she told me, she said, I cannot cancel this. It's not where it's supposed to be. And I was, we were literally talking in circles because I said, well, I'm asking you to hand cancel it because it's not going to get a machine cancel. And she's like, the, the machine cancels why you need them in the upper right-hand corner. And we were talking in circles. And I finally had to ask her to go talk to her manager. And she did and came back out and canceled my mail. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it can get kind of crazy, like, where the stamps might end up being. But for the most part, you just try and make it work as best as possible. And now a lot of people from the post offices know me. That I, right. I, I always pray that it's somebody that I've worked with before. Right. <laughs> so it's not a problem. <laughs> so, so they will hand cancel it and then they'll put it through the sorter or they will hand cancel it and then? It depends on who you get. Okay. Most, uh, most of the time, I would say my experience has been very, it's very hard to find somebody in my area who does, who knows that they're, when you hand cancel something, it can go in a different bin. Right. Um, and uh, most of my stuff that I get hand canceled goes to the machine anyway. So you would hand cancel the stamp that you've added yeah. and then put the piece of paper over that or on the nope. other side? Nope, you just, it's a piece of mail. Um, it's like, it's literally all one. So you have your stamp and you cut out like windows and stuff. Like oh, you only, got it. Okay. You only cover up, like you, you only got cover it. up the air. Okay. You cover up the other stamps from other countries. And okay. You, okay. And then you add, and you leave enough room because you need to add an address. Okay. So that's the part that I was missing. Okay. okay. So, yeah. So you, the piece of paper is going to cover all the stamps except the stamp that you need canceled. Exactly. You can get that hand canceled, and then it will have the address on that piece of paper with the yep. cutout of the stamp that you just had canceled. Like a window, yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay. So that's what, that's what I've always – because I've been interested in, in chain cards because I have so many stamps, and I'm sure mm -hmm. that I can meet whatever need that anyone in the world yeah. – whatever, whatever mm -hmm. theme anyone ever wanted. But yeah. I just couldn't figure out the logistics of it, mm -hmm. and, then I, and I wrote to someone to – have them explain it to me and they just were put out that they had to explain it so I'm just like well maybe mm -hmm. this isn't for me so okay uh, that's a shame because so, I got really lucky because I did the same thing and I asked somebody because I was really interested and they were so kind and they just explained the whole thing to me and then I did some research online um, and there's actually for anybody who has the magazine there is a link in my article to find out more about the process it's the link is in the caption Okay. For the picture of the chain I'll, cards. I'll, I'll add that in the show notes just so okay. that people have it as well. They may not have okay. access to uh, to the uh, article. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are a member of the American Philatelic Society, you have free access to the magazine online, uh, and it may be a good reason for people to join. They are in a membership drive at the moment. They're trying to get over two thousand mm -hmm. new members. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you, are you a member? I'm assuming. Yes, I am. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's great. It's not expensive and you get right. a fun magazine every single month. Yeah. And you can list Stacey Adam as, as your reference and, and she'll get credit for having referred you uh, to, to, oh wait, just, you know, just so that you can get some credit because, uh, yeah, hey. because of you. Absolutely. 
So, um, and those that are, I think, entering now or subscribing now have a chance to win a raffle at the end of the year for a lifetime membership. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So it is a big deal for in their in their membership drive at the moment. So, and that is all the time we have for this week. Next week, I will conclude my interview with Stacy, where we will talk about stamps, stamp designs, and cupcakes. You can follow her on Instagram under Stacy A underscore Design and her cupcake exploits under Cupcake underscore Crusaders. The chain card reference will be placed in the show notes. But I was happy to find out that it is the blog of my friend Heidi Belinsky at Max and Co Post. As always, thanks for listening, and please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review if you have a few moments. Please contact me if you have any questions or ideas for episodes, or if you want to be featured on a future episode. You can contact me on Instagram as Russ Romano, on YouTube by searching for Looking at Stamps, or by sending an email to lookingatstamps at gmail.com. Until next time, bye-bye.